Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast. This segment has been taken from Thrive Thursdays with Dr. Patricia Mills. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here is Dr. Patricia Mills. Is the water that you're drinking actually staying in your body and hydrating your tissues, or are you mostly peeing it out? Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a holistic medical doctor, whole body, mind, and spirit, and I'm coming to you live for my Thrive Thursday episode, which uh, airs live every Thursday at 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And you can catch this live in my private Facebook group, Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, where you get to participate and ask your questions. If you are getting a chance to join me live, please put in your name and where you're calling in from and ask your questions. That's a major benefit of attending live. Today, we're going to be covering a super important topic, which is water. Water is, you know, other than oxygen like air, it's one of the most crucial nutrients for life, even more so than food. As you know, you can survive longer without food than you can without water. And the question is, are you drinking the right kind of water, the kind of water that will stay in your body, get into your tissues? and hydrate them deeply so they can do the work that they need to do? Or are you drinking the kind of water that you're peeing out and it's not staying in your body and it's not hydrating? And chances are that you're drinking the kind of water that you're peeing out. And I'm gonna go into why that is, okay? So what happens is that um, water in and of itself is, uh, if you just take water and you take everything out of water, that you take minerals out of water, um, you know, minerals are things like magnesium, sodium, calcium, potassium, phosphate, uh, iron, all of these minerals, and they, they can live in water. However, when you take those minerals out, what you're left with is distilled water. And if someone were to drink water that has no minerals in it, that water is actually toxic to the body. Drinking distilled water is very toxic to the body because the body needs the water to have minerals in it in order for that water to get into the body. Otherwise, if you drink distilled water that has no minerals, that water will pass through your gut and pull minerals out of your body into it. So it'll actually pull minerals out of your body and that's damaging to the body because minerals like the calcium, phosphate, sodium, potassium, phosphorus, boron, uh, molybdenum, uh, fluoride, you know, all these things, all these minerals, some in large amounts. So they're, they're the minerals that we need in large quantities like magnesium, calcium, sodium, potassium. And then there's the trace minerals that we need in really small quantities like the borum, the molybdenum, and all those things. 
And there's over 80 terminals that our body needs for optimal health. Now, if you drink that distilled water that is lacking mineral, that water is hungry for minerals and it'll pull minerals from you. So what we need to drink in order for um, the, the water to not pull minerals, but rather be pulled into our body as a result of the minerals that are in it is you need mineralized water. And essentially, that's another word for water with electrolytes. So what are electrolytes? Electrolytes are these minerals that are dissolved in water. So these minerals are dissolved in water. They're floating around in the water. And they're like the spark of life. They do things like tell the cells in the body to open up so that the water can come in. So from a hydration perspective, electrolytes are like the, the, you know, the people who like knock on the doors for that, so that the door swings open and then you can go in. It's like, um, it's like the greeter you know, or the bouncer, let's say. So you open, you knock on the door, the door opens, the water goes in. Without electrolytes in your water, the water will not go into your body, will not go into your cells properly. And not only will it not hydrate you, it can dehydrate you. It'll pull minerals out of your body and it can pull more water with it. So distilled water is one end of the spectrum, which is really, really harmful. The other end of the spectrum is something like seawater, where it has a lot of minerals in it, a lot of electrolytes. And if, you know, if, if you were to drink a water that has a lot of that, that's equally, you know, not good for you. So you need to find that balance in between. And what the research is showing is that, and this is very interesting because what they did is they took um, a number of samples from tap water across North America. And they found out that because of the process of filtering and softening our water, the minerals that are naturally found in nature in water can be stripped out of the water. And in nature, um, you know, in the past, before about 100 years ago, when we had sanitation come on board and cleaning of the water, filtering of the water, softening of the water, we would drink our water from spring, spring waters and wells. And what ha would happen is that as the water is passing through the rocks and the soil, it's picking up minerals so that water is naturally mineralized. And if it's in the ground, for example, like groundwater from wells, it's also naturally mineralized because the minerals from the soils and the rocks are seeping into, seeping into that water. And what happens is that when we talk about mineralized water, you know, you can, you can buy the mineral waters that come from, for example, different countries. Some countries pride themselves on having sources of really clean, um, highly mineralized water and so some people will go into a store and they'll buy bottles of mineralized water recognizing that there is a health benefit to mineralized water. Why? Because research shows that when you drink water that is low in minerals which could be your local tap water you're actually not hydrating yourself properly and your mineral um, levels in your body go down. And not only are minerals in your body important for making sure that the water gets into your tissues, into your body, into your cells, those minerals also do other things like 
make sure that your bones are getting enough minerals like calcium and magnesium. Make sure that your acid balance in the tissues are not too acidic or not too alkaline. It's in the perfect Goldilocks zone. And so much more. There's so many things that these minerals do. They help with nerve conduction and nerves are the, you know, from the brain all the way out to the arms and to the legs, the way that your brain communicates with every single organ and limb in your body is through the nerves. And those are electrical signals that depends on the spark capacities of the minerals to conduct those messages. So if you have been drinking water that is low in minerals over time, what you're going to notice is that even though you're drinking a lot of water, you don't really feel or look hydrated. You might have dry skin, you might have dry lips, you might feel a little bit constipated or very constipated. And all of your bodily functions are going to slowly decline over time, because they're not getting the hydration and the minerals that they need. So how can we fix this? Well, one thing you can do is you can get your tap water tested to see if your tap water has enough minerals. What I do is I make sure that I um, add a certain amount of minerals to my drinking water through the day so that I'm assured that I am getting um, like a very certain amount of minerals in my water so that it becomes hydrating water instead of dehydrating water. And I actually went deep into the research and combed so many different areas of research to figure out that exact way to make it at home so that you don't have to buy the mineralized water from the store and spend more money in it. You can make it at home very cheaply, very effectively. And I mean, it's very, very, very affordable to do this. So I'm going to teach you how you do that. Now, hi, Eliana. Welcome. Thank you for joining. It's so great to see you from Burlington. Let me know if you have any questions as this uh, conversation progresses. Thanks for joining. So what I want to talk about is what is the definition of a mineralized water? Like how much electrolytes should we have in our water, which we need to know in order to calculate how much of those minerals I add to my water so it's not too much and not too little, it's in that sweet spot. So the first piece of information we need to know is that the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. tells us that the definition of a mineralized, mineralized water is having between 500 milligrams to 15 milli, uh, milligrams, 1,500 milligrams of salt in one liter of water. You don't need to know this. I just want you to understand that when I tell you how much minerals to add to your water, it's a very scientific calculation. The other thing we want to know is that um, the recommendation for women and men drinking water is that men drink about 3.7 liters of water a day and women about 2.7 liters of water a day. Now that's an average. You know, if you if you have more body weight, you need to support it with more with more water because even fat cells need water to function. So that amount will fluctuate. But if you drink 2.7 liters to 3.7 liters of water a day that don't have enough minerals in it, that's going to slowly really erode your health over time. So let's make sure that you're doing this absolutely right. So the goal is to create a mineralized or electrolyte rich or ionic water. The other word for an electrolyte is an ion. Uh, and the the definition of ion that you need to know of as an ion is what allows water to get into your tissues, into your cells. 
from a hydration perspective. So when we say, okay, what am I going to use as my source of mineral at home? I'm sitting at home and I want to know what minerals do I use? Well, there's two sources of minerals. One is table salt and one is, for example, a sea salt or a rock salt like Himalayan salt. So what are the differences between those different options? So the natural salts that come from planet Earth, so the salts that you find in the Himalayans, the salt that you find from the Mediterranean, from ocean deposits, those salts have um, an interesting um, composition where they do have primarily sodium and um, chlorine. However, they also have other minerals like calcium, magnesium, potassium, phosphorus, all these very important minerals that may not be required in as high concentrations as sodium and chlorine in our body, but are required in small trace amounts compared to table salt, which is 50% sodium and 50% chlorine. Now, when I dove into the research, it was really interesting because I found a lot of articles saying, well, table salt and Himalayan salt are the same. For example, some studies, uh, some, uh, some articles talked about a study that found that Himalayan salt had pretty much 50-50 sodium chlorine. And I was confused by that because, first of all, that didn't make sense to me. And because it's coming from nature, it's obviously going to be more complex, right? Table salt and synthetic, they take sodium, they take chlorine, and they put them together. It's just two, two different molecules together. It's not very complex. From nature, everything is more complex. And then I found a study that that really gave me a big aha moment, which was when you take a rock salt, and I'm going to show you, for example, this is a type of rock salt. So if you if you take rocks of salt from the ground, we're going to get into this in a little bit. If you take rocks of salt from the ground, which is what Himalayan and all these Mediterranean and ocean oceanic seabed salt sources are, they're taking rocks of salt from the ground, depending on what part of the rock you analyze, you're going to get some places that have a lot of sodium and potassium and uh, sodium and chlorine, so that it is almost like table salt, and some places that have really low sodium and chlorine, as low as 4%, 10%. And then the rest is all of those other lovely minerals that we like, like potassium and magnesium and phosphorus and those kinds of things. So when you use something like Himalayan salt, Mediterranean salt, ocean salt, um, you're more likely to have a more complex um, spectrum of minerals or electrolytes or ions they're all kind of equivalent once they're dissolved in water than you would if you were to use pure table salt. And table salt, um, when, you, when you look at sodium and chlorine coming out in the urine from, from table salt consumption, that they kind of use that in studies to show that if you eat a lot of thing, table salt, you increase your risk for hypertension, uh, death from all causes, and cardiovascular disease if you hit more than six grams of that a day. However, if you have less than three grams of mineral of minerals from salt a day, that also increases your risk of heart attacks and um, strokes and death. So there's this Goldilocks zone for salt in the middle. And my point is that when you choose to use something like Himalayan salt or Mediterranean salt um, or oceanic salts, 
you're more likely to get a full spectrum of different minerals and a lower amount of sodium and chlorine compared to if you were to use table salt. And even if it's kosher salt and it's kosher table salt, I would still not use that. I would use the natural salts like Himalayan um, and all those natural salts I've told you about already. And then the question is, okay, Dr. Patricia, I understand that what you want me to use is something like a pink Himalayan salt or a black Himalayan salt or Mediterranean natural salt. How much of that should I use? So what I did is I used that recommendation from the Food and Drug Administration that a mineralized water should have between 500 and 1500 milligrams of salt per liter. And I chose the middle just to be safe. So 1000 milligrams per liter. Okay, and what that turns out to be is one eighth of a teaspoon of salt. And from now on, when I say salt, I'm talking about the natural rock salts from the Himalayans, pink or black, from Mediterranean, from the Oceanic. And I see another person joining me. Hi, doesn't show me your name. If you want to put your name in so I can say a personal hello, please feel free to do so. And please feel free to ask your questions. So let's say you take your salt, your natural salt, and you, you have one liter of water. And what you do is to get that mineralized water concentration that is recommended by the Food and Drug Administration, you add in one eighth of a teaspoon of that salt into your one liter of water and you mix it and you dissolve it. And that one liter of water goes towards your 2.7 liters per day or 3.7 liters per day. So you repeat that with the rest of the water that you're going to be drinking. Now you should mineralize then your coffee water, the water you're going to be using for your coffee, the water you're going to be using for your tea. You want minerals in the water that you're using to make your drink. So I do this. I use this for all of my drinking water, including coffees and teas. And hi from Campbellton, New Brunswick. Nice to see you as well. If you want to put in your name, that's great. It doesn't pop up when I see it here. Uh, feel free to ask your questions too. Hopefully I've been explaining this so well that there are no questions yet. So that's how you use your regular salt. However, I have a way to, like I have this up-leveled way of doing this where um, you're more likely to get that lower concentration of sodium and chlorine, which has been more linked to those um, you know, high blood pressure and higher amounts of the better things like not better. It's not that sodium and chlorine are bad. It's however, if you have too much of it, it's bad. So you want to balance it out ideally with some magnesium, some calcium, some iron, and those sorts of things. So one thing that I've done is I've learned how to make what's called a salt soleil and how to use the liquid from that to mineralize my water for a very effective and very cheap solution to creating a super-powered electrolyte drink. And why is that? Well, here's what a salt tolate is when you take these Himalayan rocks or any sort of natural salt rocks. These ones came from this um, company, which I bought at my local store, Nature's Pantry and Smithers. Shout out to Nature's Pantry. <laughs> great store. I love the people there and great quality products. Very well curated. And um, so I bought this there. And I forget what the cost is, but I, I think it's around $13, okay? And one of these will last me for, I think it was six months last time. Like it lasts a really long time. So you're making an electrolyte drink 
for $13 over six months. It's pretty impressive. And that's for a family of four. Because <laughs> I, do, I do mineralize the water that my kids drink and my husband drinks. So what you do is you take this rock salt and you put it in a jar, a glass jar. It has to be glass, not plastic. You don't want the plastic to leach into the water. And you fill it up with water. You put the, the salts into the jar and then you fill it up with water. And you let that sit for eight hours. And what that does is that it creates what's called the brine, where it, it sort of saturates the water up until a certain point, and then it doesn't get more salty than that. And that point is 30%, give or take, around 26 to 30% salt in water. So when I take a teaspoon of this, for example, it's not 100% salt in that teaspoon of water. It's 30% salt in that teaspoon of water. And then what I did is I did some calculations where it was like, okay, well, I want to get a thousand milligrams of salt into my water. Now, let's pause for a second. Why would I bother doing this? Why would I bother doing this? Why wouldn't I just take sea salt and put it into the water? And don't, you know, don't get me wrong. You can do that hundred percent. That's the easier thing for you. Just measuring out your, your, um, you know, your Himalayan salt or your natural salt, putting it in your water. That's great. If you're a health geek like me, I'm kind of a health nut if you hadn't noticed, this is what you're going to do to level it up. And why? Because what you have here is a um, very complex brine that is picking up minerals from all of these different surfaces of the rocks. And as that study showed that when you pick what different parts of the rocks have different amounts of minerals, some, some have more of those balancing minerals to sodium chlorine than others. So you're going to get more of an average of those minerals in that water rather than hot spots of too much sodium and chlorine. It's going to be all averaged out in this water. And actually they did a study and they showed not on the salt brine, but they found that the, the average in that kind of water is 48% chlorine, 30% sodium instead of 50%. And then the rest of that 22% was a mixture of oxygen, sulfur, which is very helpful, calcium, magnesium. There was some iron in there um, and very, very, very teeny amounts of, um, um, of elements that we don't want in large amounts, which are things like aluminum and fluorine. So those are natural minerals that we do find throughout nature. And in tiny little amounts, that's okay. Like it was almost negligible amount. Um, and the other ones that we want more of were in the, in the higher amounts. So it's more likely you're going to get that average in this water. Also, I kind of like, you know, I have a little bit of the mystic in me. And the energy that was forming these bonds has been dissolved and it's gone into the water, right? Bonds between minerals are, are created with energy and energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's transformed. So when you go from this solid to this liquid, I like to think that the energy is now in the water. Now it's like living energy water. Woo woo, maybe, but you know, it's kind of cool and I like it. Um, and it is definitely dissolved by that point. Whereas when you put the salt and like the, you know, the, like the granules of salt, and you're stirring and you're stirring. I mean, you might get bored of stirring long enough for it to completely dissolve in the brine, in the salt sole. It's spelled S-O-L-E. It's 100% dissolved because it's taken eight hours for it to dissolve in. And now it's sitting there. And the nice thing is that you basically can use this up. Um, and then what you do at the very end, when it starts to get low, you fill it up with water and you keep doing that. 
over time, the rocks will dissolve. And once it's gone so that there's no more rocks, which will happen probably in about six months, by the time you use this entire bag, then you just drain it out, clean out the bag, clean out the glass and start a fresh one with a fresh packet. And it, this is so salty that nothing grows in it. So as long as you don't accidentally drop something in it, um, it's very clean, very sterile. And so what is the proportion of um, how much water to the salt soleil to the salt brine? Well, what you want to do, and I'm just looking here because I really, really want to make sure is that, uh, that I got this right, is that for one liter of water, you put half a teaspoon, half a teaspoon of this for one liter of water. Okay. Why is it more than the sea salt of one eighth? Well, because this is 30% brine, remember? So it's 30% it's salt water. So it's less, so you put a half of a teaspoon. Uh, it's more, so you put half of a teaspoon of it into one liter of water. And this is how, it, is how I've made my life really easy. What I've done is I've put that into my dropper. See, and I just took um, a dropper that, you know, um, it happens to be amber. It doesn't have to be. It can be just clear. And I filled it up with my salt soleil brine. And I know that this dropper, when I, when I fill it up and I release it, it gives me a quarter of a teaspoon. I've measured my dropper. Your dropper may be different, so you have to measure it. And then this here, this tall glass of water, this is like a regular, regular tall glass. I've measured this too. This is half a liter of water in here. So if I take this um, half a liter of water, let me see if, you can, if I can do this. And you're actually, and I add it to the liter, and I, I don't know if you'll see the effect, but look how beautiful it is. It just swirls in there, and it creates this immediate ionic, electrolyte-rich, mineralized water. And you see, if you just give it a few moments, all of the minerals travel through the water to kind of, they spread out through the water to find um, a home that's far away enough from an, a, another mineral. So that's what it's ionic because it's charged because it's dissolved down into its mineral electrolyte kind of component. Now it's positively or negatively charged, which is a good thing when you drink this water. This water is going to get into your body, knock on the doors of your tissues and allow the water to go in and hydrate your tissues. And honestly, like I've been doing this for a while now, and what I notice is that I don't have chapped lips anymore unless it's like really cold and dry outside. But regularly, that doesn't happen to me anymore. I find that um, this plus, you know, my skincare routine, which you can look up in the skin health playlist. Um, you know, my skin is so well, like moisturized now. It's like rarely dry again, only if I've been out in the sun and have to reapply my um, oils again. Or if it's very, very cold out and I have to apply my oils more frequently, but generally speaking, my skin is drier. I'm less constipated. I'm actually, I have no constipation anymore. Not that it's just the water, but that was a foundational piece. And listen to this, the food cravings, my food cravings are like almost completely gone. I mean, I still have like a tiny sweet tooth. That's more of like a habit than anything else, but Sometimes a food craving is a hidden cry for water, the right kind of water. Your body's dehydrated. It wants something, but it doesn't know how to say, Patricia, drink more um, electrolyte-rich, mineralized water. So I just hear this like craving for something, and then you think it's a craving for food, and you eat food, and there is some water in that food. And yes, there are minerals in your food. However, 
when your minerals are dissolved in water and they're ionic like this in, and in water, the absorption of the minerals is much higher, like much higher, better absorption of minerals in water. That's a known fact. So some of your minerals have to come from your water and some of them have to come from your vegetables, right? From your fruits. Processed foods um, are very, very um, high in like a few minerals and lack the complexity of minerals. They are the ones that tend to have the table salt as the salt additive. And for people who are eating processed foods, you're, you're um, unknowingly getting up to 75% of your total salt um, intake, allowable intake for the day when you're eating these processed foods. And the thing is, you want some of your salt intake to be from water and you want some of it to be from food. And if you're eating processed foods, you're kind of putting it all towards the processed foods and it's potentially not the right kind. It's not that beautiful complexity of more of like the trace minerals in small amounts that we do need. It's deceptive. We may only need small trace amounts of it, but they are important for certain bodily functions, right? So if you want to really level up your health, pay attention to mineralizing your water. Not too much, not too little, just like how I taught you. Cut down or cut out processed foods from your um, diet. And consider switching from a table salt to a natural salt, like sea salt, um, ocean, you know, ocean sources, a Mediterranean, um, because they do have. Uh, a more complex range of minerals, not not like a ton, however, enough for us to be, you know, choosing that over the table salt so that we can have a lower risk of those conditions like hypertension, cardiovascular disease, which is heart attacks, strokes, blood clots, you know, those sorts of things, and death. And again, when the studies were run on this, People who had too little salt were even at higher risk of death than people who had too much. This was a very large study, and this was a very surprising finding that was super interesting, even for the researchers, that if you go to a if you drive your salt intake very, 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 very low, because you're worried about the effects of salt on your health, you could actually be harming your health just as much as if you were having too much. So that's the Goldilocks zone of between three to six grams of um, salt. Now, if you mineralize your water in this way, that's about, and you're drinking three liters of water a day, that's about three grams of salt a day. However, remember, it's slightly less um, sodium and chlorine, right? Slightly less sodium. So it gives you a little bit of wiggle room with that. And that leaves, the, and if you're not eating your processed foods, that leaves the other three grams for you to you know season your food right so that it tastes good sea salt like salt used to be a currency in the world it was worth its weight in gold at times right and the sayings like that person isn't worth his salt um salt trades were um like people uh communities were established along salt trading routes the sea salt and you know natural salt trading routes and wars have been fought over, almost fought over salt. Florence almost went to war with Rome in the medieval times, around the times of the Medici, because they, the Rome threatened to cut off their sea salt supply. Their, and they used that sea salt 
for preserving their meats, right? It was very important for their um, day-to-day like food production and economy. So, you know, there is a, there is a total importance for having enough minerals from things like salt in the diet. There is a role for for putting um, for making sure that your water is sufficiently mineralized, like I taught you, for cutting down processed foods so you're not getting too much of a very intensely sodium chlorine salt, so that you can have more complexity of other minerals in your diet and use sea salt to um, season your food. Now I'm going to be wrapping up here in a little bit, which means I'm going to be taking a look at the questions. So I have here. Um, a really great questions uh, from a Facebook user saying, does your blood pressure, low or high, impact the amount of good salt you should consume per day? Now, that's a very, very good question. So the question is, um, so let me see if I got this right. And if not, please clarify. So let's say you have high blood pressure. Should you be, for example, looking at decreasing the amount of good salt? We're gonna, I'm gonna assume that good salt is like the natural salt that you consume per day. Well, what the research shows, as far as I can gather from it, is that you wanna keep your range of salt intake between three grams and six grams per day. Now, what you can, and then you can play around with that amount within the day. For example, if you have high blood pressure, Maybe you're going to be more towards like the, you know, the three to four to five grams a day rather than the five to six grams a day. You probably do want to take a look at your total salt consumption. And, and however, what you need to look at, in my opinion, is that what are you getting accidentally from processed foods? Even if you're using like um, a bone, a broth, like a bouillon, you know, those broth cubes that people use to make broths, you know, you put the cube in water and dissolve it, that has a lot of salt in it. So you wanna look at those things. Um, In tomato sauces, they're adding salt. You know, in pasta sauces, they're adding salt. So first I would actually look at what are the processed foods that am I eating and could they have hidden salt that are contributing to, you know, upping my total salt. I would first reduce that before I reduced my um, good salt consumption, however, do take a look at your salt consumption for the day, even in good salt, and get a sense for how much are you consuming and are you way over six grams, in which case, yes, I would bring it down to around the six gram mark. All right. So if you have low blood pressure, maybe you're not having enough minerals and then mineralizing your water and paying attention attention to seasoning your food with high quality salt, like I described, that could help regulate your blood pressure. However, this is something you would have to try for yourself because the things you have to understand is that these studies are done on huge populations of people. And some people are salt sensitive and other people are not, which means that some people will get high blood pressure on a certain amount of salt that other people would not. So you have to be your own detective. You have to play around with a little bit. So if you have high blood pressure, start looking into your salt. Look into how much you're having. What kind are you having? What are the sources of it? And playing around with that. Now, there are other contributors to high blood pressure like stress yes so if you're under a high amount of stress it activates your nervous system which increases your blood pressure that is also extremely well known 
And high levels of stress means that your adrenal glands need to make more stress um, hormones like um, adrenaline and cortisol. And those are called mineralocorticoids. They are they require the use of minerals to be made. So you may have if your if your hypertension is stress induced, you may actually need a little bit more sea salt or high quality salt in your life. That that is like a very interesting um, situation that probably a lot of us are in. And how do you figure that out for yourself? You have to within the safe range of three grams to six grams a day, play around with how much, how well does your body do on that? But again, the foundational thing is you got to get rid of the processed food. So you're not consuming, um, you know, hidden salts. Cause when you, when you season your own food with sea salt or whatever quality salt you're using, because people will always ask me, well, is it Himalayan salt, Mediterranean salt? I have salt that comes from ocean you know, storage um, places, I say, as long as it's not table salt, which is 50% chlorine and 50% sodium, it is more likely to have more complex um, profile of other kind of minerals. So that's, if that's a question that hasn't been answered for you yet, that's what it, that's, that answers it hopefully. And then when you're seasoning your food yourself, you have more knowledge and control over the amount when you're eating processed foods. What's a processed food? Almost anything that's packaged with a barcode, right? So when you cook your whole grains, when you cook your vegetables, when you eat your fruits, when you when you you know cook your meats from scratch, right? Roasting and sautéing and all that stuff, you and you're seasoning that yourself with your salt. You can keep track of that over a few days, for example, to get a sense for the range of salt that you're having. When you're having processed foods. You have no idea how much salt you're having. You could be having a whack load and it could be coming from your, you know, your protein powder or your very healthy protein bar um, or your, as I mentioned, like your organic uh, bouillon cube to make broth, right? Um, all of these things, your organic tomato sauce, if you're not looking at ingredients that could have like sodium, um, you know, a sodium kind of um, chemical in it. Um, uh, what is it called again? Sodium benzoate, for example, right? Which is also a preservative. So now you're getting hidden sources of salt and you can't, then you kind of, you lose power, you lose control, you lose an understanding of how much salt you're getting. So that's really important. It's, it's you know, and with optimal health, it's never just one thing it, whenever I start to talk about one thing, it leads down the road of all these other things. So first, you know, get your processed foods minimized as much as possible. Mineralize your water, like I told you, and that will leave you with about three grams of salt for seasoning per day to play with um, so that you can hit your, you know, your, your sweet spot of salt consumption per day. Does the ratio of three to six grams per day stay the same if you have low blood pressure? That's a very good question. So that's another question. The answer to that is we don't know the answer to that for sure. They didn't do the studies on people with low blood pressure. What I do know is that people with low blood pressure um, when, that I've worked with, when we, when we make sure to mineralize their water and to season their food with sea salt, their low blood pressure tends to get better. Actually, my low blood pressure got better when I started paying attention to this. So I can only speak from personal experience and with the experience with a few women where I've just noted this with interest. And it makes sense because again, 
if your water isn't getting into your body properly, then chances are like it's not getting into your blood blood as well. It's going to be peed out more. So chances are you're going to have problems with that. And there's, you know, I, I as a physical medicine rehab specialist, I would come across certain conditions like postural ortho, orthostatic um, uh, POTS, P-O-T-T, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, where people would stand up and their blood pressure would drop and their heart would go high to compensate. It's kind of like this dysregulation of the blood pressure. And I always wondered to myself, wouldn't it be interesting if we paid attention to the mineral intake for these people, because maybe they're people who either have a higher requirement for it, and maybe they're people who have high levels of stress, which then create a higher level requirement. So three to six grams is a range based on thousands of people that were studied. You have to, again, figure this out for yourself. If you have low blood pressure, play around with adding a little bit more high quality salt. If you have high blood pressure, play around with reducing your um, total salt consumption, you see? So the only way to know, it's called the N of one, the one person study of yourself is to um, you know, be a scientist, be a detective and figure that out for yourself. Because no one's gonna be able to tell you, for you, this is what you need, that person's going to say, this is what you should try and monitor your blood pressure. So one way to monitor your blood pressure is to buy an at-home blood pressure cuff. And sometimes if you have high blood, well, definitely if you have high blood pressure, you can get a prescription from your doctor. So it's covered by your, by, um, your benefits if you have benefits. If you have low blood pressure, you could ask your doctor as well. Who knows? Maybe they'll give you um, a note for it too. But it's very affordable. You buy at your local um, health store or you can order it online. And you just want to make sure you get a few measurements just to see if it's consistent, you know, and you measure it when you're when you've been sitting for at least three minutes calmly. You haven't just been walking around or gone from lie, lying down, standing up. You want to be seated for about three minutes comfortably. Then you take your blood pressure and you want to have it under similar conditions every day. So don't take your blood pressure if you're very agitated or very stressed out, your blood pressure will naturally be higher. Some people have what's called white coat syndrome, where they go into the doctor's office and they're naturally more stressed out, so their blood pressure is high. Then they go home and their blood pressure drops, right? Because they're like calm at home. That's not a hyper, that's not hypertension. Hypertension is your blood pressure stays high regardless. So you get a sense for what your blood pressure cuff tells you at the same similar time of day under the similar conditions. And that might or might not be the same at your doctor's office. Remember, there's different things going on. So you just want to get your baseline at home. And then you start, you know, playing around between that three to six range and see maybe you need to go a little bit higher. Maybe you need to go a little bit lower. And, and of course, I can't tell you to go out of that range because right now we don't understand. Is it safe to be lower than three? Is it safe to be higher than six? But it's an average for a large group of people, so there are probably some people who require slightly more and some people who require slightly less. And again, the only way to know is to try it out for yourself. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being curious. I'm, you know, I commend you for, for doing this for yourself because water, again, you know, if you get water right, you're, um, a whole host of things might improve for you. It's amazing how even just that can make a huge difference in your health. So I hope you found this useful. And if you want to, sh um, you know, show up live and ask questions like these lovely people did, 
please join my private free Facebook group for women, Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. We do more than just this. I show up every day um, with tips and great suggestions and lots of amazing interactions with the women in there. It's a wonderful group of like-minded women that I really enjoy hanging out with. And so I hope you enjoyed this session. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night, depending when you catch this. And I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health.